does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 11 o'clock. Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Thanks for joining us. I'm Derek Schultz. We got a lot cooking tonight. Sam Fritz fills you in from the update desk right now. All right, with this final five-minute update, let's review the high school scores one last time. For softball, the Class 1A state finals, Tecumseh defends their crown 6 to nothing over Caston. On the other game that happened later on in the night, Penn upset the Ron Colley Royals, the defending Class 4A champions, off of a wild pitch in the ninth inning. Extra innings in that one. Penn wins 2-1. to one. Now, boys' baseball games. The semi-states wrapped up earlier. I'm going to give you the final matchup along with the scores from the previous game. So, in Class 1A, Lafayette Central Catholic, who defeated Fort Wayne Blackhawk earlier in the night, 6-4, to four, will be taking on Bar Reeve, who defe- defeated Shackamack 4-2 in the Class 4A Finals down in Victory Field. Moving on to Class... I'm sorry, Class 1A. In the Class 2A State Finals, Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian will be taking to the field after Ileana Christian defeats Delphi Community 12-1 and Covenant Christian beats Heritage Christian 10-6. Next week in the Class 3A State Finals, you will see Andrean and Silver Creek take to the field after Andrean beats Heritage earlier tonight 8-2 and Silver Creek beats Indianapolis Bishop Chittard 8-1. Finally, in the Class 4A Finals, Penn will try and make it both ways, softball and baseball for Class 4A, and Center Grove will try and win the State Finals as Penn defeated Hamilton Southeastern 1-0 earlier tonight, and Center Grove beat Castle 5-2. Speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball was in action earlier today. The Seattle Mariners and Los Angeles Angels are the only team still playing there in the third inning right now. Mariners have put up a couple of runs on the board, 3-0, the lead for them in the bottom of the third. Going back to the earlier matchups that are in the books. The Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Detroit Tigers 5-0. The Miami Marlins were victorious over the Chicago White Sox 5-1. The Cincinnati Reds beat the St. Louis Cardinals with a lot of help from Luke Maley and a three-run double. Catcher in, and that's hammered to left field. That's a base hit. Stevenson scores. He beckons Benson. He sprints to the plate. Furious windmill for Fairchild. He roars home, and Maley cleans the bases. I said this earlier, but a little fun fact that I just love baseball facts that haven't happened for over 100 years. For Cincinnati, Andrew Abbott is the first pitcher since 1893 to begin his career with consecutive starts of five scoreless innings. After that Reds game, there was the Minnesota Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays. Twins winning 9-4. The San Diego Padres were victorious over the Colorado Rockies 3-2. Baltimore Orioles defeated the Kansas City Royals 6-1. And the Los Angeles Dodgers absolutely laid in to the Philadelphia Phillies 9-0. It was 3-0 through most of the game, but in the seventh inning, J.D. Martinez would put up a three-run homer 
to put the nail in the Phillies' coffin. Now Hoffman ready. He fires. And it's a long drive left field. Forget about it. It is going, going, and long gone for J.D. Martinez, a three-run homer. Number 16 for J.D. makes it 9 nothing. Los Angeles. Of course, you can hear that Philly crowd booing them back to Los Angeles. The New York Mets were victorious over the Pittsburgh Pirates 5-1. The Oakland Athletics score a rare victory 2-1 over the Milwaukee Brewers. Texas Rangers win over the Tampa Bay Rays 8-4. The Atlanta Braves scored a win over the Washington Nationals 6-4. Another 6-4 finish for the Houston Astros as they defeated the Cleveland Guardians. New York Yankees win over the Boston Red Sox 3-1. Chicago Cubs win against the San Francisco Giants 4-0 in the final Major League Baseball game of the night. We were talking a little bit of hockey earlier and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It's in the books. Now advanced to being 3-1 and one over the Florida Panthers. With a 3-2 victory, the Golden Knights will return to Las Vegas and hope to put the bow on top of the package that is their first Stanley Cup playoff championship in franchise history. Again, the Golden Knights, a team that's only existed since 2018, making their second Stanley Cup finals appearance. We do have a little bit of sound from the game. Here is Las Vegas managing to get the opening goal. Panthers trying to change. White Cloud gets it in. Stevenson right down the middle. Score! He went five hole on Bobrovsky. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Thanks so much for making us a part of your Saturday nights. Graham Shear on the board, Sam Fritz on the update desk. Hour number three in the final hour tonight of Indiana Sports Talk here on Network Indiana. Uh, We were just talking about Indiana State. Their season is, in fact, over. TCU heading to Omaha in the College World Series, dispatching the trees 6-4. So back-to-back wins, two straight in the Super Regional. Indiana State's season concludes uh, a great one, and TCU moves on for the sixth time over to Omaha. And congratulations to the Horned Frogs for that. And it seemed like their fans were were great. Um, What a year for TCU athletics, huh? (laughs) <laughs> football I, I know they lost in the national championship game what was the final score in that game 89 to 3 I don't remember off the top of my head I feel like feel like it was 80 to something um it was brutal right the, the the national championship game but still I would much rather brutally lose the national championship game than narrowly win the Kraft Mayo Bowl or whatever it is so it's all relative right they still got the chance to play for a national championship. That's pretty darn cool, even if you get your doors blown off. And their baseball team is, of course, heading to the College World Series. And um, their basketball team has been pretty good with Jamie Dixon as well. You never really thought about um, TCU Horn Frogs basketball. But um, if I'm not mistaken, they won. Who would they have lost to in the tournament? Gonzaga, maybe? I'm trying to remember. March feels like it was 100 years ago, but I, I'm like, I'll look this up to be sure. I'm 90% sure that, I know TCU made the tournament, um, and I'm like 90% sure that they won a first-round game. So that's that's pretty great when you've got a, a men's basketball team that makes the NCAA tournament, wins a game. Baseball team makes the NCAA tournament, gets all the way to the College World Series, and a football team that makes the college football playoff, wins a college football playoff game, and makes the national championship game. That's um, that's pretty darn cool. There are a lot of schools that would sign up to have that kind of success all in the same sports 
calendar year. Um, while we're on the topic, I guess, of college basketball, um, there was some news a couple of weeks ago. The May 31st deadline for the NBA draft came and went, and, and Purdue fans got some good news with Zach Eady. And I had a couple of people mention this to me on Twitter, at Schultz975 if you care, um, for the, the musings that are on there. But um, a couple of people mentioned, you know, besides making the jokes about first round exit again. Yeah. okay. Uh, Besides the usual stuff that you get with with what's kind of befallen Purdue basketball the last couple of years. um, I had a couple of people legitimately say to me, is this is what Purdue wants? Do they want Zach Eady back? No, man. um, They don't want the national player of the year back who swept every postseason award. No, no. I mean, what what are you going to do with a seven foot four guy? who was one of the most, if not the most dominant player in the sport. I mean, God. Yeah, you'd much rather not have that at your disposal. I mean, come on, guys. Like, I know it's it's disappointing, um, or even if you're a, a rival fan base, um, it's fun to make fun of the fact that they lost to a 16 seed in Fairleigh Dickinson, and that comes on the heels of losing to a 15 seed, and they also lost to a you know, whatever it was, was North Texas a 13 seed. Okay. The fact remains, Zach Eady is a fantastic college basketball player. You say what you want about him as an NBA prospect. I know people differ as far as that's concerned, but Zach Eady is an unbelievable college basketball player who will be remembered for a long time. He is one of the greatest and most decorated college basketball players in Purdue's proud history. So getting him back undoubtedly is a great thing for Purdue. And it's a great thing for the continued development of some of the younger players who are already in the program, like two Indiana kids and and Fletcher Lawyer from Fort Wayne and Braden Smith from Westfield, the freshman backcourt who got off to a great start last season and then kind of hit the freshman wall and and never really recovered. And Purdue's season never really recovered with it, even though they were still able to win the Big Ten regular season outright and find a way to win the Big Ten tournament. It just never felt like they were the same team. They peaked in January or even earlier than that, maybe even December. But the pieces are all there. Every significant player, uh, for the most part, from last season's team is back for 23-24, led by Edie. So I think it's a great thing to have him back. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. They are going to have to get over that mental hurdle, though, with the NCAA tournament. Um, It's hard to explain why it's gone the way that it's gone i'll forgive the st peter's one a little bit more because st peter's beat kentucky that year you know um went all the way to the lead eight uh fairly dickinson is a team that if you played 100 times you should beat them 100 times period but that's why we love march it's also why we hate march right the cruelty of it all scott agnes fieldhouse files we're going to talk some pacers when we return this is indiana sports talk network indiana all right some more live scores for you in major league baseball seattle mariners and los angeles angels are on the diamond right now seattle was up three to two but now by the top of the fourth the angels have put two i'm sorry seattle was up three to nothing 
But by the top of the fourth, the Angels have put up two runs for themselves. And who else to hit that retaliating home run but the Angels' Shohei Otani. Otani with a drive to right. This one's going to go a long way. Shohei Otani with a two-run homer. And the Angels climb right back in it. So Angels now still a run behind, but 3-2, to two, top of the fourth in that game. Major League Soccer, Real Salt Lake in New York City, still nothing, nothing as they head into the home stretch of their game. 81 minutes played there so far. San Jose and Philadelphia each have a goal on the board before halftime. And then Vancouver and Cincinnati at 37 minutes in, their game also still tied 0-0. There are two USL games still in play. The Las Vegas Lights and the Monterey and Monterey Bay FC, they're at 40 minutes played, tied 0-0. Phoenix Rising FC and the Oakland Roots SC, Oakland Roots are winning with 36 minutes played, 1-0. And also, ongoing is the 24 Hours of Le Mans. It is the Toyota Gazoo Racing number 8 car with 170 laps led, winning in that one. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Thanks to Sam Fritz for that update. It's Indiana Sports Talk Network Indiana. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Appreciate you being here on a lovely summer Saturday night in the great state of Indiana. We were talking NBA earlier in the show, a little bit about the NBA Finals, which feel like a fait accompli at this point. Uh, Denver with a commanding 3-1 lead on Miami. And a guy that talks NBA for a living and does a great job covering the Pacers right here, the blue and gold in our backyard here in Indianapolis, is Scott Agnes for Fieldhouse Files. And he joins us now on uh, Network Indiana and Scott um, let's talk before we get into the Pacers uh, let's talk NBA finals because you tell me if you agree with this I, I was a little bit torn going into the series because I'm, I'm trying to think of who Pacers fans would connect with the most you know people in Indiana love the underdog story right so then you'd lean towards Miami but because Denver has that ABA connection the ABA brethren and in a way, I know people point to Portland as being kind of the Western Conference uh, uh, connection to the Pacers. I've always kind of felt like Denver is is more of like the Western comp where they've had a lot of good teams and a lot of good players. They just haven't ever been able to get over the hump. Is this a, a story that inspires confidence for the Pacers, seeing as how it looks like the Nuggets are going to win the championship here, showing that something like this is possible for a team like that? Yeah, good evening, Derek. I think, first of all, you, after all those rivalry games and what was a rivalry a decade ago, I'm not sure any Pacer fans are really rooting or can root for the Heat. I think other than maybe the Cody Zeller storyline, perhaps, I think Victor people are kind of tired of, but Andy's injured, so that doesn't help that fact. But in terms of the bigger picture in Denver, I think this is a story that everybody in the league can root for because they haven't been there. They haven't got that opportunity and because, Derek, the payoff from several great drafts. You're talking about Jokic, who was not even an early second-round pick, a mid-second-round pick that panned out. Jamal Murray was a good pick. And then Michael Porter Jr., there were so many questions about him in the draft that he kept slipping and slipping. And I think he was at like 14 because of back issues at Mizzou. And finally, Denver, uh, with an additional pick, said, hey, we're taking him. And it's played out nicely. So, yeah, there's that ABA connection. But I think more than anything – it's it's a team that does not get the publicity. I'm sure fans can really appreciate that national storyline uh, that has gone on probably too much over the last several weeks. Uh, but I'm all for seeing Denver get it done here. Yeah, it's so funny when you talk about all the things that you need to win an NBA championship and all the things that have to fall into place. 
you know, sometimes it's just a, a skinny kid from Greece ends up working out or a mid-round pick, you know, from Serbia ends up working mm-hmm. out or, hey, Kawhi Leonard decides that there's one season that he spends with you and you just happen to win the championship that one season. Um, you know, it feels like that that's kind of the cosmic influence you need in order to crack the nut that is winning an NBA championship. It's just so difficult in that league. Absolutely. And, and I think you're going to see – more teams have to discover a way to do this after the new collected bargaining agreement that will take effect July 1. The teams that have had these superstars with three or more, that's almost going to become impossible. So you're going to see those those teams that can do so try to maximize their two superstars. And then I think they're going to have to fill out the roster from there. And that, for example, is exactly what Denver has done uh, ahead of the curve. They have Jokic. Two-time MVP, should have been three-time MVP. Jamal Murray, and then a lot of good pieces surrounding him. Pacers in a, in a good position entering this offseason. Obviously, they're coming off a year where I think they did better than a lot of people expected, but they, they have two things that you want to have going into the offseason. One is uh, a lot of, obviously, cap, salary cap space and draft capital, but also the fact that this free agent list, while there's some guys on here that are varying degrees of maybe players that you would like to bring back, there's not really that must-have, must-resign type of free agent. But I wanted to start there, Scott, because, you know, Shea Brissett has been a, a good reserve for them. He kind of had a inconsistent role with this year's team, but I know Kendall Brown was the guy they kind of took a flyer on who they liked, and then, you know, the veteran leadership in, in George Hill and James Johnson – how many of those guys do you see returning to the fold, especially for a team that has all of these draft picks as well um, and not a lot of roster spots to go around? <laughs> yeah, that's the conundrum going on over uh, at the St. Vincent Center there is it, it, let's say everybody comes back. You only have three roster spots um, of guys under contract. That would mean no James Johnson, George Hill, or uh, <laughs> uh, O'Shea Brissett here and five draft picks. That's the other reason why not only is it obvious, but Kevin Pritchard has said it is his intention not to use all of these draft picks. I think the ideal number would be two, especially with so many young guys, eight guys, 23 and under. Uh, after a while, you don't want just a farm team. Uh, you know, you don't want this to be a minor league college here where you're just trying to develop too many guys at one time. I think that's terribly difficult. We run into that issue like we had last year, right, with let's take the front court. Who gets the playing time? It's not Daniel Tice, okay, but is it Isaiah Jackson or Jalen Smith? Let's go to the backcourt. Buddy Heald starts. Well, wait, not in the end of the season because then it's Benedict Matherin, but should Chris Duarte get some minutes? So you can see the problem that the front office is dealing with right now. I think I think with those guys uh, right now that are free agents, I think you bring back one probably of George Hill, James Johnson, and Daniel Tice. And then I think O'Shea – all is dependent on what the roster numbers look like. Look, he's best friends with Tyrese. He gets along with everybody in that locker room. He's a utility guy that does a little bit of everything, so he's helpful on your team. But would you keep him over, say, if you do stick with two or three of these first-round picks? No, you're going you're gonna to give these guys uh, with high potential, big hit possibilities, a real shot over a guy who we already know exactly what he is. Pacers haven't been a – afraid in the past to trade their number one pick they've done it a handful of times here recently I know I can't ask you to just conjure up trades out of thin air here Scott but what would you say the likelihood would be uh, of them moving off number seven and given the conversations or or what Kevin Pritchard has had uh, has said or or what you've said to other people or what you've heard from other people I guess you should say um, would they be open to something like that 
So I think above them in the first six spots, there's really one one pick that we all kind of agree that's available, and that's Portland at three, right? It's hard to imagine that with Dame Lillard and their ownership situation that they'd want to rebuild and, and or add another young guy to play with Dame. It's like they got Shaden Sharp. They really don't want more young guys. So they're in prime position to try to trade out add some veteran influence there. Uh, I don't know why a team like Houston, Detroit, Orlando might want to trade out of their spot. Um, And from everything the Pacers have said, there's really a group of about five players right in that window, I think, that they would be very happy with at seven. It just depends on how things fall their way. So would they consider trading up to, say, three at Portland where Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan have deep roots? They used to work there. They trained Joe Cronin, who runs things, as the GM at Portland. Sure, they consider it, but I'm not sure that price point is worth it. Um, the one where it would be, and I don't see it happening this way, is if Charlotte goes with Scoot Henderson over Miller, maybe you'd consider, hey, look, Brandon Miller right now fits this need right now, the Pacers, very well, and is in that second tier, whereas the Pacers, I think, can really deciding amongst third-tier guys uh, kind of in that, that window at the seven spot. So I think you stay at seven, but then things get really interesting in that back portion of that first round where they have, what, uh, <laughs> uh, three picks over an eight, pick span yeah. essentially no need for to take all of those that number 32 very valuable for teams that are big spenders your golden state your warriors um i i could see them moving that one and maybe one of the other first and then make making another first selection is it a best player available situation if they stay at seven or is it a do they have to get a wing guy do they have to get a, a defender um is there something that sticks out to you as pacers have to draft blank Ideally, we know the two fits, right? The three and four position, the wing, the three and D guy, or maybe the four spot, that enforcer that can rebound. This team has not been good rebounding really in the last decade plus, my entire time covering this franchise. But I think it's dangerous. Same way with the NFL. If you go away from kind of best player available. Um, and at seven, there are so many six, eight, six foot nine wings. So you go through the 48 players thus far, Derek, that the Pacers have brought in over 12 workouts. I would guess 30 probably 70% of them, 30 of the 48 guys at least, are fit that mold of the 6'8 wing. So I see them going with the best player available, and it's going to fit that mold certainly at 7. And then probably you're going with a young guy, big potential, uh, later in that first round. And there's a lot of, lot of names there that could get interesting. A guy like Leonard Miller, like does he go 14th or does he fall to 23 or 26? You know, a G League Ignite guy. Those guys are hard to evaluate a little bit. It should be Scott. Hang on here. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna bridge the gap here with the update real quick, and we'll have more with Scott Agnes when we come back. It's Network Indiana, Indiana Sports Talk. All right, live baseball scores for you. Only game in action right now. End of the fourth inning. The Seattle Mariners have climbed a little bit higher on top. They now lead five to two over the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Mariners happen to have 10 hits in this game already by the fifth inning, and that includes J.P. Crawford, who drove in the fifth run off of a single. Hard hit up the middle, and it's in center field for a base hit. 
Paulick coasts home to score. And the Mariners' hit parade continues in the fourth inning. Once again, Mariners leading 5-2 over the Angels in the top of the fifth now. Moving on to live scores in soccer. Real Salt Lake and New York City of Major League Soccer have entered extra time. Six minutes in, and it's still 0-2-0. San Jose are in, and Philadelphia are in extra time of the first half. That game still tied 1-1. And entering halftime, Vancouver and Cincinnati... 0 to 0 as well. In the USL, Las Vegas Lights now trail to Monterey Bay FC at halftime, 1 to nothing in favor of Monterey Bay there. Phoenix Rising also trails Oakland Roots SC. That game just went into halftime. That game at a 1 to nothing score as well. The NHL Stanley Cup playoffs had a game earlier tonight and the Las Vegas Golden Knights have officially taken a 3-2-1 lead over the Florida Panthers in that series. More from me in 15 minutes. We'll go over the high school baseball and softball scores once again for Never Can Sports. I'm Sam Fritz. Welcome back. Rolling along. Final hour. Hour number three. Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz. It's Indiana Sports Talk, so let's keep talking Indiana Pacers. We welcome back Scott Agnes. You can subscribe to him on his Substack, uh, which is Fieldhouse Files. Does a great job covering all things Blue and gold. And one other thing that I wanted to touch on here, Scott, before we cut you loose as we were talking NBA draft from a Pacers perspective, I don't know if Trace Jackson Davis is going to be on their radar. It doesn't seem like he would necessarily be the best fit. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. But would be in that range where you talked about, you know, eight, uh, three picks in an eight-pick range. It, it looks like he's projected to be somewhere in there and then maybe deeper into the middle portion of the second round. Um, sounds like NBA teams like what they see so far. The measurables certainly check out. And, you know, a year ago right now, I, I was not thinking to myself that Trace Jackson Davis was necessarily ever going to be an NBA player. And now it looks like he's not only going to be an NBA player, but um, looks like he's almost certainly going to get drafted. Uh, what are you hearing from other people from what they think about TJD? Yeah, Derek. So he's been really doing well with his workouts. And I'm not surprised at all by that. <laughs> Yesterday, I posted my feature on him. And I led with the fact that we all expected him to go through this pre-draft process three years ago after his freshman year. Yeah. But, of course, the, the COVID pandemic derailed that, and then he never got to it for various reasons. He had COVID last year, didn't go through the combine, but he has really tested well at the, com- uh, at the combine. And then here, I really see him going anywhere from 24 to 40. Um, Charlotte has a couple mixes uh, picks with him there, and they hosted him here today out in Charlotte. I think they're a real shot. I think Sacramento, I think Utah is in play. Um, so I think he's most likely going to go in that that mid-round range, and that's certainly above where any of us had expected. I think you're right. At Scott Agnes on Twitter and the best Pacers coverage out there via his Substack. Subscribe today and learn everything that you need to about the Pacers into a very exciting offseason and a highly, highly anticipated 23-24 campaign coming up here in the fall. Thanks so much, my man. Always appreciate it. All right, you bet, Derek. Thanks. That's our friend Scott Agnes, and he does a great job doing that, um, you know, going off on his own, I guess, and, and doing that individually. It's not so much of this foreign thing like it used to be. I remember I, I had a buddy, a, a guy named Joe Sheehan, who was um, a baseball prospectus guy and then ended up eventually being a Sports Illustrated guy. And in like 2009, we were emailing back and forth. And he's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to do this newsletter. And I'm like, newsletter? And he's like, yeah, and, um, but you're going to have to pay for it. 
It's like, pay for it. You know, this is like the economic crash and all of that. I'm like, okay, man, like you're going to write articles and people are going to pay you money for them. Like, it just seems so ridiculous at the time. And he was right. I mean, it, it, it works. And now you're used to paying for this. You're used to paying for content that you like, streaming content, podcasts, you know, whatever else. You're used to paying for it. And um, it's definitely worth the money to subscribe to Scott. Uh, definitely worth the money to hear Brendan King call South Bend Cubs games or anytime that he's here on Network Indiana or even on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. He is the voice of the South Bend Cubs who unfortunately fell to Lansing tonight. But the good news is, BK, I saw that you got a booth visit from Clark, so the night couldn't have been a total loss. The night was a total success in that <laughs> in that uh, perspective, Derek. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate the nice words. Um, yeah, I wish we could have been talking about a South Bend Cubs win either yesterday or tonight, Dolce, but, uh, you know, Lansing, I really have to tip my cap to their bullpen. They don't have a lot to play for right now. They are mathematically eliminated from first half playoff contention. So they're just kind of playing for pride right here and just watching the days and calendar go by until the second half starts when everybody's record begins over. But man, first of all, their starting pitcher tonight, Jack Perkins, former Indiana Hoosier from Kokomo, Indiana, Kokomo High School. Uh, he had the start of his life, fifth-round pick of the Oakland A's. Seven scoreless innings with five strikeouts. Tip of the cap there. And then similar to last night, Schultz's Cubs had a chance late. They had the tying run on base in the bottom of the ninth inning. But John Beller, talented lefty for the Lugnuts, was able to execute a couple pitches and get out of the jam. And uh, Lansing escapes both yesterday and tonight, as we have talked uh, with a couple pretty close victories in the series. Oh, it's a bummer because I, I think the, the Cubs let up five base runners all night, and you usually feel yeah. pretty good about yourself when you're only giving up two hits, two walks. I think they had a run score on an error, but um, you know sometimes that's that's how thin the margin is in baseball, right? Between winning and losing, you make one mistake or you have one kind of sloppy inning like they seem to have there in the fourth, and um, it dooms you. Oh, the fourth inning was the complete game changer, Derek, because. Uh, Ed Howard, our very talented shortstop, first-round pick of the Cubs, Chicago kid out of Mount Carmel High School, he makes every routine play. And 99 out of 100 times he makes this ground ball play, uh, it just got through him. And it was a two-out error. The first two outs of the inning were relatively harmless, just a couple pop-outs. You're like, man, feeling good. Uh, We're going to have a scoreless game going to the fifth. But then an error is made, then a walk, and then a big double by Brian Welbos for – Lansing, and uh, like you said, those two runs, eventually enough to get it done. But, yeah, I mean, at least South Bend tried to make it a game. Uh, another key base hit late for Johendrick Pinango. He had that two-run single yesterday that we talked about, RBI single in the ninth inning tonight. Uh, left-handed batter, went opposite way, would make a lot of old-school baseball fans happy to see his base hit. Uh, he just took an outside pitch and hit a little flare out to left. It was beautiful. Talking with our friend Brendan King, talking a little baseball, but I I wanted to ask you this because I I know about some of your other sports team loyalties like Notre Dame and and the Chicago teams and obviously being a proud Butler grad. Um, I I want you to explain to me where the Florida Panthers thing comes from. That that, that feels extremely random to me. It is random, um, (laughs) but there is a big reason behind it because when I was about 10 years old, my parents bought their – now permanent residence in Naples, Florida, um, and we were going down there pretty much every Christmas, and I've always been a big hockey fan. My uncle, before he passed away, God love him, he was a 
Blackhawks season ticket holder, so he taught me the game. But uh, we were just looking for something to do uh, because I don't know if you've ever been down to Naples. It gets a little quiet at night. Uh, it's not exactly South Beach. Uh, so we were looking for something to do, and uh, I was 10 or 11, and the Panthers were at home, and uh, we went across Alligator Alley to Fort Lauderdale to watch the game. And uh, from that point, I was hooked. I, uh, I had a great time at the game. And, of course, they had some down years for sure. But, um, you know, I've, I've ridden that for a lot of years now, and even though it's a loss tonight, uh, I still can't believe the Florida Panthers are playing in the Stanley Cup final. So, hey, they're not dead yet. Uh, there's still one more that Vegas needs, so you just got to make it tough on them. And it's hockey. You never know. Hockey's just weird and random, and all kinds of crazy stuff always happens in hockey. So you just don't know. Um, I'm actually old enough to remember – you know, kind of like Vegas. Vegas made the final in their first year, right? Did the Panthers make it in their yeah. second? What, 95, 96, somewhere in there? Yeah, their second year after Wayne Huizenga brought the team to South Florida, just a kind of a group of misfits, similar to what Vegas did a few years ago, as you said. Uh, Florida made the final, and uh, that was the year That was the year after I was born, so I really wasn't <laughs> able to follow it, unfortunately. But, uh no, that was a hell of a run, and uh, I've definitely read about it, no doubt. It's funny. You know, I, I think we're now reaching a time where, like, people starting in your generation and forward, because we have ready access, I can watch whatever MLB team or NBA yeah. team or college basketball team that I want all the time. And where, you know, I was kind of, I feel like the last generation, I'm 40, where you grew up watching the teams that were on TV. You know, I, I grew up near New York, so we had the, the Yankees and the Mets, and, and we, we even had the Red Sox and stuff like that. So all the people around me grew up watching the Yankees or the Mets or the Red Sox. Like, those are the fans that we had. And then there was a smattering of Braves fans because of TBS. But for the most part, um, you know, these random sports allegiance is like, I love it. Your parents buy a house in Naples. You're going to games as a kid. Boom. Panthers fan. That's awesome. Oh. I, I think it's I think it's great that we're kind of in that uh, generation now for sports fans. Uh, BK, appreciate it as always. Um, good luck to the South Bend Cubbies the rest of the way, and thanks so much for calling in tonight. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate you. That's our guy, Brendan King. And Clark, way up there for me for coolest baseball mascots. I like him a lot. Big, big fan of Clark, and he was up there in the booth with Max and Brendan tonight up in South Bend. And um, even though it was a loss, it doesn't quite feel like a loss when you've got a visit from a great mascot. We've got more to get to next on Network Indiana as we continue tonight. All right, let's go home with the final analysis of boys and girls high school sports today. The softball state finals. Tecumseh defends their crown 6 to nothing, beating Caston in the 1A state finals. And then Ron Colley falls to Penn. Penn winning the 4A softball championship game 2-1 to one in extra innings off of a wild pitch in the ninth. Now, the men's finals brackups have been set. Here are the teams that will be traveling to Victory Field next week. In 1A, Lafayette Central Catholic will be taking on Bar Reeve after Central Catholic defeats Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian 6-4 and Bar Reeve beats Shackamack 4-2. In 2A, it's Ileana Christian against Covenant Christian. Ileana was a decisive victory in Kokomo today over Delphi Community 12-1. And then in Mooresville, Covenant Christian beat Heritage 10-6. Once again, 2A, Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian will be facing off in the finals next week. The 3A finals will be between Andrean and Silver Creek. Andrean beat Heritage 8-2. Then down in Southridge, Silver Creek beats Indianapolis Bishop Chittard 8-1. 
Finally, in 4A, Penn's going to try and win them both. Softball and baseball, Penn is in the finals for the 4A baseball championship. They're going to be taking on Center Grove earlier today in Laporte. Penn beats Hamilton Southeastern 1-0. Then in Plainfield, Center Grove beats Castle 5-2. And that sets the table for the men's baseball championship next week. That's it for me tonight for Never Canadian Sports. I'm Sam Fritz. Good walk off there for Sam. From the update desk. Appreciate his contributions to the show tonight. Ditto for Graham Shear. He's our producer, making sure that this lovely show gets to you all across the great state of Indiana, to all of our network Indiana affiliates. My name is Derek Schultz. Thanks for joining us here on Indiana Sports Talk as we wrap up the final uh, 15 or so minutes of this program. Uh, final kind of rundown of, of the big news today. Um, something else that... Um, we didn't mention a whole heck of a lot because Sam had a lot to get to with the the IHSAA softball state finals and the baseball semi-state and Major League Baseball and Indiana State getting eliminated in the NCAA tournament. But um, the Indiana boys and girls getting revenge on last night's losses in Owensboro in the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star Series, the 80th year of the Indiana Kentucky All-Star Series. Both the boys and girls winners today. So that's uh that's great news. Earning a split for uh our great state at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, not too far here from the Network Indiana flagship studios at 93 WIBC and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. So congratulations to all those seniors. They get to call themselves winners for one last time before they move on to college. Um Greg Rakestraw joined us in the 10 o'clock hour, and he was mentioning that poor Sam Orm, uh, the former Carmel star, who, of course, is an Indiana All-Star, actually had to report to uh, camp at Belmont in Nashville, where he's going to continue his career with with uh, with Belmont in that league, and then missed the, uh, the junior-seniors game, and then came all the way back here to participate in the Saturday I don't believe he played last night in Owensboro, but the Saturday game in Indianapolis, and then is going right back to Nashville to continue to begin his college career with Belmont. But it's cool to see that sort of dedication. It's cool that this game still matters to kids on the Indiana side. I I think really where we've lost our way a little bit and and really where it's been let down, and I'm not trying to throw Kentucky under the bus here, but let's face it – it, it's been much more of a kind of a one-sided affair here, not only with the results on the court, but um, with the fan interest and and getting people involved and getting all the players to to stay and play in the game. Um, that's been a real struggle on the Kentucky side. And it's been a struggle on the Indiana side as well, but they've largely met those challenges. And you've seen, you know, Mike Broughton and uh, Charlie Hall before him and some of the game directors on the Indiana side um, do a lot of, great things to to keep the ball in the air and keep this ball alive and and uh, keep this event alive and keep it cooking at least on the Indiana side where you have a good crowd um, I'm not sure what the crowd was tonight at Gamebridge Fieldhouse but I know they've been drawn you know 5,000 6,000 somewhere in that range and you know considering where we are in, in 2023 it's such a, a crowded sports calendar and it's such a crowded entertainment calendar there's so many things that are pulling at the purse strings and at the wallets and the pocketbooks um, to get people to commit money to do anything is much more challenging than it was in 1987. You know, <laughs> like I love Indianapolis. Don't get me wrong, but um, Indianapolis in 1987, 
compared to now, um, things going on wise, you know, there's a reason why Indianapolis got that nickname, Indiano Place, Naptown, Cornfield with Lights. It's a much different place 40-something years ago when these events were sellouts and, you know, you had 20,000 people going to a high school basketball game, things like that. Like that, that just, it's, it's not, it's not steeped in reality anymore. Um, that's just not where we are. So if you're asking things, you know, it, even the 500, we're, we're two weeks removed from the Indianapolis 500. If you're asking the Indianapolis 500 to be what it was on a national relevant scale or even a local relevant scale, what it was in 1983, it's just never happening again. That, that, that's gone forever. But you can still appreciate it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. And it's a great event. 500 is amazing. It's the highlight of the year on my sports calendar. And the Indiana-Kentucky All-Stars is still a great event. And the kids still care about it. So let's keep it going. Keep supporting it. Back to wrap things up next on Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Back for a final time, Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. Final thank you to Sam Fritz on the update desk. Graham Shear doing a great job as the producer. I'll be in here a smattering of times, June and July, filling in for Coach Bob Lovell um, and just kind of the usual rotation. I know Jimmy does this show a bunch. Uh, Greg Raystraw, a good buddy of mine, who actually joined me on the show earlier today. I know he sometimes hosts this. Um, Brendan, not as much in the summertime because, um, or just fill in work in general because he's up in South Bend with all of his duties calling baseball games. Um, but really excited just to be on the roster, on the team here at Network Indiana and fill in for the great coach Bob Lovell, who's also a good friend. And, um, and obviously a, a well-established radio presence, not only in this city, but in this entire state of Indiana. A um, couple of things to get to here before we wrap up tonight. Um, just some some final thoughts on uh, Indiana State falling to TCU and, and their season ending. They've sent out some tweets from the Indiana State account, actually a really uh, you know, fond farewell. And to jump into the comment section, which I'm generally hesitant to do, um, you jump in there and you see all messages of support for what the trees were able to do this year and the run that they were able to go on. And um, and I think that's great. I think that's great that fans appreciate them having this national stage because unlike IU or Purdue or Notre Dame or some of the other, you know, big brand college sports teams that you have here in this state, um, Indiana State doesn't really have a lot of notoriety, a lot of recognition, get a lot of attention outside of the state's borders. Um, they've had enrollment issues there. Um, there aren't a lot of things going on that are that are making the news, uh, the rounds news-wise at ISU. So to have this baseball run like this and have athletics kind of catapult the university as a whole, I think it's a great thing. There are a lot of great people in Terre Haute. It's a great community. Um, and I've always enjoyed my time over at ISU, and I have many dear friends that are, that are graduates of ISU who are holding their heads proud after what they were able to accomplish. Um, something else to mention, uh, at least while we're talking um, college championships, Charity Sue Griffith, congratulations, Ball State track and field. She is your 2023 national champion in high jump. Just said it tonight. Uh, in fact, this was like 20, 25 minutes ago, becoming the fifth ever Ball State track and field national champion. Pretty freaking cool to be able to pull something like that off. So congratulations to Charity Sue Griffith for doing that. Um, a champion for Chirp Chirp and the Ball State Cardinals. want to thank all the people that called in today. Howard Kelman, Greg Rigstraw, John Herrick, Scott Agnes, 
Brendan King. Am I missing somebody? I feel like I'm missing somebody that was in that group. We had a lot of great guests today. Rake Straw as well. Jimmy never called. I know Ron Colley lost, but the Yankees won. I thought we were going to hear from Jimmy tonight. I'm going to give him a hard time about that. Next time I host here on Indiana Sports Talk, we're going to make Jimmy Cook call the program and make sure that that happens. Thanks again to Sam Fritz. Thanks again to Graham Shear. And thanks to you for joining me, Derek Schultz, tonight on Indiana Sports Talk on Network Indiana. Hope you have a great rest of your night. Hope you have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time right here on this same radio dial.